Welcome to the Health Edge. I am Mark Pettis. And you have probably seen, as I have in most mainstream media outlets, that red meat uh, can cause type 2 diabetes. And this is a recurring theme that uh, every year you'll see a couple of, of studies. This is nutritional epidemiology that, again, attempts to link a food that's been part of the homo sapien diet for hundreds of thousands of years that now in 2023, we want to uh, implicate as a driver of type 2 diabetes. So uh, you, I'm sure, have uh, come across these headlines. Uh, this is uh, sort of a classic uh, New York Times, uh, what to know about the link between red meat and type 2 diabetes. Uh, you could easily take out uh, red meat in this headline and put in eggs. Uh, you could put in animal protein. Um, you know, this is uh, um, just an ongoing theme in nutritional epidemiology that I want to just briefly address. And there are a lot of people out there who are very serious about this research, who have treated thousands upon thousands of people for all kinds of chronic health issues, including obesity, type 2 diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, Alzheimer's, et cetera, that have rendered an opinion on the importance of findings like this. So let's look at the study. This was published very recently in October of this year in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. And the headline is, Red Meat Intake and Risk of Type 2 Diabetes in a Prospective Cohort Studies of United States Females and Males. And this is work from the Harvard School of Public Health. Uh, these are authors that have been very prolific in leveraging these large databases that they have and essentially over time, we'll take a particular lifestyle variable, usually it's nutrition, intake of this, intake of that. And then over time, they will look at how many of these people developed whatever it is they're trying to draw association with, in this case, type 2 diabetes. Now, if you look at the study in a little more detail. What you'll find is that this is, again, an epidemiologic study. This is uh, what we would call observational. This is not a randomized placebo-controlled trial, and it's unlikely that you will see such a trial forthcoming. The closest you will ever find to that was a study that looked at people who purchased red meat from a Whole Foods store. Uh, and almost by definition, they were pre-selecting people who had otherwise pretty healthy diets uh, and compared them to people who did not eat red meat. And there was absolutely no association found. And as I said, there is a, a growing abundance of research that would suggest that incorporating more um, animal protein, more uh, healthy whole fat sources. Um, and, and these might be low carb, higher fat. They might be ketogenic diets. It might be a paleo approach, 
across the board, you tend to see dramatic global metabolic risk reduction, lowering weight, lowering uh, pre-diabetes risk, diabetes, hypertension. Um, so again, I offer that just as a juxtaposition to what the article is claiming, and of course, what mainstream media will jump on in a heartbeat and try to get your click with. So this was a, a study that looked at over 216,000 people. And, it, and these are the databases that the cohort at the Harvard School of Public Health can leverage. Uh, the Nurses Health Study, uh, the Health Professionals Study, and there is a, a second cohort of nurses' health studies. And so when you look at the, the cumulative number of people followed, it's a relatively large number of people. And when you look at the food frequency questionnaire, I mean, this, is, this has just been widely scrutinized by anyone serious about scientific inquiry will be quick to say that food history questionnaires are very inaccurate and inherently flawed methods for trying to estimate intake. Uh, so questions like over the last 12 months, how much of this, 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 this did you eat per day, per week? Uh, and so there's just inherent problems off the top with nutritional epidemiology in terms of the quality and accuracy of the data that becomes the basis upon which these headline conclusions are drawn. In the study, they comp compare total red meat with processed red meat and unprocessed red meat. Uh, and historically, the suggestion has been that meat that is processed uh, may carry a bit higher risk than meat that is not processed. But again, this is all based on epidemiology and observational conclusions. Uh, and then they looked at the risk of type 2 diabetes over time. Now, when they report their findings, it's really important to make the distinction between relative risk reduction and absolute risk reduction. This is a very common um, way in which data can be presented that looks pretty darn impressive uh, when, you, when you look at the headline. But when you look at the actual clinical significance, the number of people that are absolutely impacted by what the study is finding, you often see very, very different magnitudes of result. So they report these as hazard ratios. Over a period of time, those who consumed a lot of red meat, this upper quintile, uh, if you will, had about a 1.6 increased or hazard ratio. Anything over one is an increased risk. So they equate this with a 62% increased risk of diabetes for the highest quintile. That sounds like a really high risk um, and certainly important if there's any validity to the, to the findings that are being published. For processed meat, a little bit lower at, at 1.58 or 58%, and for unprocessed meat, 1.4 or 40%. Again, these all sound like enormous increases in relative risk. Now, when you look at this cohort of 216,000 plus people over time, about 22,000 developed diabetes. 
And when you looked at the absolute risk of the high intake red meaters with the low or no intake red meat eaters, this is what you find. There was about a 0.52% increased risk in type 2 diabetes, 0.52%. That's less than 1% uh, in red meat eaters versus 0.32% risk, a third of a percent risk in those not eating red meat. These, from a clinical perspective, and I'm a clinician, I treat people, uh, and as a nephrologist, I've treated lots of diabetics. Um, you know, these are, I mean, who cares uh, in terms of how trivial these absolute risk reductions or risk increases actually are? And that would be true even if this data were superb, accurate data. But like many nutritional epidemiologic studies, there are lots of questions about about the methodology. Again, these are associations. They're not cause and effect. You might include a hamburger as a high uh, meat intake. Let's say you eat, uh, you know, three, four hamburgers a week. You would you would end up in this high risk category. What the study doesn't tell you, and this is where where I see major issues, though they try to correct for other variables. Is it the burger that is causing the problem or is it the buns, the large bulky rolls or the French fries that accompany that burger? You know, these omega-6 fats, processed fats that are, uh, uh, you know, cooking high glycemic starches at very high temperature. And what about the, the big soft drink that goes along with that burger? Uh, so there are many confounding variables uh, with respect to methodologies used in studies like this. Uh, is the meat a surrogate for what are actually greater drivers like processed carbohydrates that might accompany that red meat? Or uh, is it possible, as we know, that people who consume more red meat, uh, you know, may be less active, may be more likely to smoke. And even though, again, they attempt to cor correct for those differences, it can be extremely hard to do. Uh, you also try to correct for weight or body mass index. BMI, as I talked about in my last recording, is an, an inherently flawed uh, methodology. And the current assumptions in the nutritional epidemiology world is that eating red meat causes obesity. We know that obesity is associated with type 2 diabetes, but is it the meat that is leading to the obesity or is it many other lifestyle factors that are very hard to correct for, like processed carbohydrate intake, uh, inactivity, uh, circadian disruption, disrupted sleep, overwhelming stress, uh, you know, so it, it, the, the bottom line is that we know today that if you're trying to modulate diabetes or pre-diabetes, the best way to do that is to dramatically reduce your processed carbohydrate intake and dramatically increase your healthy fat consumption along with protein that I think for most people will range uh, in the uh, 1.2 
to two grams per kilogram per day of protein. Um, I've cared for a lot of people who are um, dealing with food insecurity and have many other risks of chronic complex disease that we would uh, say falls under the category of social determinants of health. Ground beef, in my view, is one of the greatest values that any person who's looking to feed themselves and their families on a tight budget, uh, you know, could could do better. Eggs and ground beef are superb sources of complete protein, of choline, uh, of B vitamins. These are nutrient dense foods that give you a lot of nutrition for the dollar, the precious dollar that you are spending. So, uh, you know, that uh, this is what what will be just one of ongoing. You you can you can bet the house that uh, more studies like this will be forthcoming. Uh, and I'm not suggesting that um, processed meats uh, may not be problematic for people that they may in fact be, but you have to look at the food in the holistic context of how balanced is that person's nutrition? What are their other lifestyle factors from a light quality, circadian rhythm, stress management, gut biome, uh, you know, epigenetic, you know, we, these studies cannot control for all of those things. And while they attempt, I believe, from, you know, superb educators and researchers to advance the field of nutritional science, in my view, and the view, I think, of, of many people like myself who treat lots of folks uh, and look at nutrition in a very different way would suggest that nutri nutritional epidemiology has limitations in what it can offer the advancement of our understanding of how food connects with disease. It may lead to hypotheses that should be studied, uh, but I think as most listeners on the health edge know, good nutritional research is hard to find. Uh, and I certainly would not add this study to the category of good nutritional research. So, you know, with that said, I think I'm going to go uh, get in a little walk outdoors. I'll bring some uh, delicious uh, beef jerky with me, uh, which I'm going to enjoy on my walk. And I wish you a good day. Take care, be well and stay well.